welcome, Kings, to the NFL Week 2 Market Outlook, where we go through the slate game by game, break down our thoughts, evaluate potential live betting opportunities, and provide insight into how we're expecting to position our Circa Millions contest selections. Judah, we're off to a red-hot start to the season, and even off to Week 2, you posted a note on PFF, how you should be positioning for live betting the Chargers Chiefs game last night. And it basically came to fruition almost perfectly. I used it as a framework to help me live trade the game. And I just made a killing. I know you're off at a wedding, but do take comfort that somebody materially benefited from your IP. I'm I'm thrilled and I'm glad the process was right there. Before we do kick off and go through the slate, One of the things we'll post later and something that we'll be updating every week here is a consensus market power rank. What we're doing is looking through the power rankings from major media providers like ESPN, PFF, 538, Football Outsiders, and then also InPredict, which looks at gambling lines, comes up with market ranking, and then aggregate all of that, equal weight them to come out with this consensus market power ranking. We see the expected teams there at the top, the Bills, Bucks, Chiefs, but we can see how rapidly the Vikings have moved up to slot number seven. And one of the things that we'll track too from week to week moving forward is actually the delta of how these teams are changing from week to week. And then as we get more and more data, we'll be able to track it through a time series, which could provide some really interesting insights. I would add one thing with the 538 and football outsider rank specifically, it's only using the data from 2022 which isn't, it's to say it's a different metric almost. Like ESPN, PFF, and Impredict are obviously building in some prior. And I think that isn't to say we shouldn't be paying attention to the 538 and Football Outsiders, but that's just an important caution, which is why the Vikings, for instance, are so high because their week one game graded out really well. But that counts for something. And we should right. pay attention to that. Yeah, these are different methodologies and approaching it in different ways. And then putting them together can give us a general sense of how the market is positioning how are they evaluating these teams because then that gives us a proxy to better understand whether or not we think a team is maybe over or underrated versus their underlying fundamentals and that can help us then position our weekly bets let's start with the dolphins at the ravens dolphins currently plus three plus 105. I saw this been bouncing around. It got a little bit of juice here, but I've seen it at the three, three and a half. Any strong feelings on this game? The Ravens did not look good last week versus the Jets. That was something that we talked about last week and that we were cautious about. We still did do the Ravens in Survivor. That did make the most sense. And it was never really in doubt that they were going to not win that game because the Jets did look pretty bad, especially the offensive line. Flacco under a ton of pressure, but Flacco still, I know you hate Flacco and you think Flacco is not a NFL starting quarterback, which I probably agree with you there, but he didn't look as putrid as maybe you expected him to. to I'm not saying he's like actively going to hurt your team in the sense of turning the ball over or getting sacked at such a rate where it's impossible to have success. He's just not doing anything to add points. If anything, he can let the surrounding talent elevate him and not the other way around. I think I like the Dolphins here. A little bit. First, the Ravens are going to be missing most of their secondary. I think Marlon Humphrey's hurt. Marcus Peters might be back for the first time since 2020. They play a ton of man coverage, and they're going up against two upper echelon receivers with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And I think if they create separation well, which I think they will against a weak secondary where man coverage matters more, 
then almost they'll be able to take the Dolphins and put them on their back. That's almost betting on those two guys. Whether or not I can find good props to make that bet or whether that's a bet I want to make on the money line is a different question. I'm just not really sure what to make of the Ravens offense. I don't know if they're trying to replicate the 2019 team, if they're the 2021 team. Was it just a weird week with the Jets? Uh, but if Lamar Jackson's not running the ball and the threat of a design run uh, is not in play, the Ravens are not the same offense. And Lamar Jackson didn't run. Is that game plan specific against the Jets because they thought, okay, we don't need to run him because we're playing the Jets? That's a question. Right, that's what it was. Which is like, that's why I want to take one more week. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the 2019 Ravens is off the table. That's not happening. And one of the things I talked about last week, too, is with the expectation that Lamar Jackson was likely going to be more cautious, a little bit less aggressive over the course of the season. Not necessarily in that game specifically, but it did play out that way in that game specifically. But I'm not patting myself on the back for that call at all. I think it's more so what you just said. Why show all your cards? Why play super aggressively versus the Jets? They toyed around with him for the first half, didn't look good, but then pulled away in the second half, mostly through a few explosive plays and again, some Jets turnovers. But I think if the Ravens need to use Lamar Jackson in a certain way, they will. Again, not in the 2019 way. I think almost at the play is a live bet where we're looking at Lamar Jackson's usage early and seeing how they want to operate that offense. And again, it's a little uncomfortable because on the snap of fingers, they can just change everything and their second half game plan can be to run Lamar Jackson. But I think that's almost how I'd want to approach it. Whether that's an under, whether that's a Dolphins bet. There's a huge coaching edge for the Ravens. If the Dolphins were to take a lead that to bet the Ravens, especially if the Ravens are playing overly conservative again, like they were versus the Jets in the first half, I think they'll flip a switch and they're capable of flipping a switch. My concern is, is the Ravens weren't really able to move the ball even on the Jets, unless the Jets defense is pretty decent. That's yeah. something we can talk about in the next game, but I actually think the Jets defense is a lot better than they were last year. Okay, so, so if that's the case, then it's maybe not so bad. Essentially, the Ravens had a few explosive plays and that's what allowed them to pull away. And then again, Jets mistakes. But that actually, I just wanna make one more point, gets to what I was saying earlier about the difference between 2019 and 2021 team was the 2021 team reinvented themselves by basically changing Lamar Jackson's ADOP two yards further downfield, and they became a very quick passing and like a, taking a bunch of deep shots, which is a totally different offense than the game. We know we're going to gain seven yards of play, running the ball, smashing the defense type offense. That's the 2019 team in my head, as opposed to the 2021 team. And are there, insofar as we can predict explosive plays, the Ravens are going to live and die by them. And I'm curious how they position their offense, but I'm going to take one more week to let everything crystallize before I make any plays. The other thing is the Patriots defense is not supposed to be very good at all. And the Dolphins scored essentially, I would say, less than 10 points on them. I mean, yeah. Because one field goal was on a short field, another one was a defensive touchdown. Our drive quality metric had them at 11.7 points. Boom. At 12 points. Exactly. And so now they're going to be playing a much tougher defense on the road. The hook is going to keep people off this game because that doesn't make anyone feel comfortable. All the Dolphins beat the Patriots, plus I'm getting the hook. Ravens didn't look good versus the Jets. I could see Dolphins potentially being a top 10 pick. I'm not excited to make that pick, but I don't absolutely hate it. Jets at the Browns. Jets plus six and a half. This is what they were just last week versus the Ravens, who are a much better team than the Browns. 
You don't go from being a dog against Carolina to being a six and a half point favorite against the Jets. Jacoby Brissett was terrible. He had all day to throw. He couldn't do anything. I think the Jets defense is a little better than people anticipate. A part of that's being healthy. I also think that like their secondary really has drastically improved. DJ Reed is a really good corner. Sauce Gardner, first round pick, has been brilliant at every level he's played. But there are definitely pieces there. Quinn Williams, Carl Lawson. I think Robert Sala has been a successful defensive coach. That I'm not just going to assume the Jets are going to be a train wreck on defense because they were decimated by injury last year. And I think that's kind of, that kind of has to be what's built in to the Browns' price. The total right on this is already pretty low, 39.5. What it's the lowest on the board. But I already did bet the 39.5 under just because you're talking about the Jets defense could be potentially better than the market's currently pricing them. The Browns have a decent defense and certainly I think Miles Garrett's going to be able to get pressure and Flacco is just a statue. One of the things I was texting you about when I was re-watching this game was Flacco didn't look bad at all when he had time yeah, well, because he just didn't have a lot of time. That's a, Yeah, and you're not going to get time. This and week. he can't move at all. So you make him move a little bit off his pivot foot, and all of a sudden, all chaos breaks loose. But this is not the spot to bet on Joe Flacco, then. Miles Garrett's going to destroy the Jets' offensive line. There's no active case to be made for both teams. This like the, the thing is, I, I, the, the, Jacoby Brissett looked bad. The wide receivers were not helping him whatsoever. Didn't look like the play calling was helping him whatsoever. But I really like those Jets' weapons. And man, if Zach Wilson can just be anything less than terrible when he comes back, he could obviously help mitigate some of the that offensive line weakness since he can yeah. at least move around. Especially if the style of play is built on trying to extend plays. Yeah. I could see upside in that Jets. And again, six and a half just seems like a lot. The Browns run game did everything yeah. for them versus the Panthers. And we knew I the also... Panthers are already like had a weakness for that, and they took advantage of it. It's not just six and a half, six and a half is a crazy low total, which mm -hmm. means like they're really anticipating the Jets not being able to score. The second thing is the Jets should at least be loading the box and they have the corners who are gonna beat the Browns receivers, right? Like you'd like to think that Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed will be able to beat Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper with Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's how the Jets are gonna play defense. The bottom line to me is I don't see how you can back either side and I think six and a half is too much. You're basically saying like, these are two teams that you really don't want to bet on. But the thing is you're getting six and a half points versus a team you don't want to bet on. Right, as well. exactly. And I think the market is still too high on the Browns. Basically the aggregate market consensus ranking is about 14. I think that's way too high with a team led by Jacoby Brissett. And I think the surprise factor here the Jets' weapons, and then if the Jets' defense is better than market expects, as you talked about, I think that is enough to cover that six and a half, maybe even win this game. Another game I'm looking to bet live. That's actually an angle I'll be willing to, to trigger if they're trying to sell out to stop the run. All right, Commanders at Detroit currently won. This has been bouncing around. I've seen it all the way up to two and a half. Bunch of Lions injuries bringing this price back down. I didn't understand the price to begin with. So I already got some Commanders plus two in my pocket. I would probably do this at Washington minus one and a half, even maybe minus two. But I'm never betting. I will never bet the Lions this season as a favor, ever. Well, I wonder how often you'll even get that opportunity. Exactly. This is the first time the Lions have been a favorite in like 25 games, which yeah, is certainly like justified. So losing my double digits for most of the game 
versus the Eagles. And then came back and ruined our 5-0 week because we had the Eagles minus four. I really like Washington here. I like the, I can't believe I'm saying the Commanders, I think, more than maybe any other team in this this week. Oh, wow. I think I think they're a great. Right, that gives me even more conviction because that yeah. was already like one of my favorite plays. So. It feels icky because back in Carson Wentz is icky because he's a variance machine and who knows what's going to happen. But like this spot to me has a bunch of different kind of competing factors. One, it's like there's some real Lions love uh, that stems from the preseason. It's there, it, it stems from Eric Eager's hashtag restore the roar and buzz that created. And I think there's a lot of steam. And that's how you look at the result of the Eagles Lions game and like. They stopped Jalen Hurts on fourth down, like they've got the ball with the chance to to win. And then the commanders are just being totally disrespected. The Lions are decimated by injuries in the worst spots for them. Jared Goff is horrible when he doesn't have time. The difference between Jared Goff's EPA when he plays perfectly blocked, in essence, when his offensive line does his their job well for him, and the difference when they don't perfectly block a play, when the play is perfectly blocked, he's fine. With a good offensive line, he's good. And then when the protection breaks down, he's a disaster. It's like the third worst quarterback in football. So I don't even, I don't have any worry about the backdoor cover situation because I don't think the Lions are going to be able to get anything going on offense down three offensive linemen. That's three weak links from, and the delta between very good play. Jonah Jackson's a terrific offensive lineman. Craig Ragnar's a terrific offensive lineman. The delta between him and his replacement is huge. And that's really going to have an influence on this game. Not to mention that the Lions last week, they played a ton of man coverage and their corners cannot cover the Washington receivers, who, by the way, are, I think are extremely underrated. And I'm also forgetting a key point here, which is they're not like going up against a bad defensive line. This is like the feared Washington, the first round picks that were without Chase Young, but still, Montez Sweat is still a terrific edge player. It's not as if they're going up against a bad defensive line. They're hurt in the worst possible spot. I think I'm going to sprinkle some commander's alt line because I think there's a real blow up possibility because I, I think that the Lions offense won't be able to get anything going against that defense. And I definitely like them. So we know that the market is hot on the Lions as you talked about what the win total moved up like a whole game over the course of the offseason. And then Lions backers cashed more tickets again last week. So now they have even more conviction, more confidence, more money in their pockets. So now deploy on the Lions as short favorites versus Carson Wentz. Let's dunk on Carson Wentz. It's always easy to do. He threw another terrible, ugly, classic Carson Wentz pick last week. That's exactly what we expected. Oh, they squeaked one out versus the Jags. Now they're going to come home versus the Lions. Oh, Lions only minus one. Give me the Lions. And I'm going to fade that. I think Circa, though, the contest is going to be a little bit sharper and is, is thinking that way as well. I would be yes. very surprised if there's more Lions picks than Commander's picks in Circa. Yeah, absolutely. Colts at the Jags. Currently, Colts minus three, so a lot of pressure coming yeah. down on the Jags. I thought it was four and a half. It was, I already it was. bet it at four. Yeah, I, I bet the I bet it at four right before actually, like a half hour before it moved down to three, following some injury news that Michael Pittman is questionable. As far as Buckner is probably out. Shaq Leonard is out. Is he out again though? He is out again. He is. He's out again. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I said it on the offseason. It's gonna be a while till he's back. He's got a uh, he's got a serious injury. Because I saw that he was like practicing all week. He was ruled out. Oh, and Alec Pierce has concussion. He's out. The fact that it's back surgery and the fact that he wasn't questionable this week and they just ruled him out 
leads me to believe it's gonna link. Shaq Leonard out. Dude, the dude was practicing all week. Yeah, I. Oh my god, I love Jax now. Wow, wow. Dude, I liked Jax. This was yeah. definitely a top five pick, no doubt about it. Because again, yeah. I, I've only bet like three games. Commanders being one, Jax the second. That was assuming, all right, because again, I was reading, oh, Shaq Leonard full practice three days in a row. He's coming back. He has been ruled out. Yeah, and then I saw a little bit of news around Yale Pittman in his practice. And I'm like, eh, he's probably still going to play. So I'm yeah. assuming they have Leonard and Pittman, and I still like Jax plus four. And in yeah. Circa, we got the four. Yeah. And I think and now yeah. they're going on the road down south to Jacksonville, who they put in a great performance in week yeah. one. Top top 10 drive quality score by our numbers. And I was with some the bunch of drops in the end zone, uh, which again, they're probably going to be yes. drops. They're going to be drops. It's going to happen. Yeah, you could price uh, that. Whether in. those happen in the end zone, though, is probably not priced. And the fact that they didn't convert. In fact, I think they failed on downs in one of those instances and took the field goal. Those points do matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the performance could have been even better had the drops come on a second and 10 from the 50 as opposed to in the end zone. Yeah. I love the resilience that we saw from the Jacks to keep fighting, come back, take the lead. In fact, it gives me even more conviction to bet the Jags this week because they lost yeah. that game as well. But they yeah. know that they were competitive. They had an opportunity, in fact, even still to win it near the end there. But again, you still got a young quarterback. You still got a team coming together, a new coaching staff. And that's why I was like talking to you, I think, offline about saying it was like, I don't, because they didn't bring it all the way home. You can't really expect them to necessarily this yeah. early in the season. This is one of the reasons why I really liked Washington last week too. And we had it in one of our circuit picks as well. I bet a lot of Washington, but on our live stream, you're talking about like how when they were losing by double digits, you know, we got the Jags 10 and a half, Jags plus nine and a half. You thought the Jags were going to come back and win the game. And they did come all the way back and took the lead. Yeah. And I think they're going to be a great team to live bet over the course of the season as well. Absolutely. Also just like, they're the only, they're not dealing with any injuries. There was no one on their injury report Wednesday, Thursday. No one. Love it. Yeah, I got Jackson. the bet in this morning. I'm glad we got it before it got down to to three. Beautiful. All right, Bucks this is another interesting one. Bucks at the Saints at two and a half right now. I saw I think it opened three, maybe even three and a half. Now it's gone under the three. Both teams already dealing with a bunch of injuries. It's well documented. Tom Brady has struggled mightily versus the Saints since he's come to Tampa. Some ugly losses, particularly last year. One, they got demolished, and then another, like, a nine-zip loss where the Bucks just couldn't do anything. And now the line just went off the board. Oh, whoa. I wonder if there's some injury news that just came yeah. out. Yeah, I wonder. Also documented that Marshawn Lattimore has oh, beaten Mike Evans every time, aside from one early on. Like, I have, there, I think there's some signal there, especially because Brady does have a tendency if he needs to lock onto one receiver. Yeah, this is probably a layoff one. I don't think there was like too much signal to take away from the Bucks week one game versus the Cowboys. And then the Saints obviously looked pretty crappy throughout three-fourths of that game. And was it just working out the Kings? Like whole new basically wide receiver set yeah. for Jameis Winston. And we know Jameis Winston can also start off slow, but man, there was a few kind of like missed passes between Winston and Mike Thomas early in that game. Like these guys just aren't on the right page. Yeah. And then in that fourth quarter, it was like they were in sync through some just perfect dimes 
to yeah. Mike Thomas. And so was that the Falcons, again, relaxing, playing this like zone defense and Winston was picking it apart and a better team just kind of forcing their will over the, over, the, over the course of the latter half of that game? Because if it's fourth quarter Saints, oh my gosh, I love the Saints. Yeah, I think, game. which by the way, I think we can absolutely see towards the end of the season. Yes. Where, like, if everything clicks, they've got some real upside. Yeah, just seeing that fourth quarter opens the door to, to right. your point to say, this is the type of team you could see. Yeah. I still love the Saints to win this to win this division. The bottom line for me is, right, if I was filling out a pick em, I'd take the Saints here. I'm not excited about it. I don't like it enough to bet. I also have enough futures on the Saints, specifically in the NFC South, and selling the Bucks. that like, that's enough exposure for me. Yeah. But I want to see how this game plays out as a fan. I'm ecstatic about it, honestly. Yeah, from a live betting perspective, that if the Bucks go down, I don't know if I'm gonna be quick to try to jump on the Bucks to kind of make any sort of comeback in this one. I actually got my face ripped off on betting the Bucks live versus the Saints when they were at a deficit multiple times, and they never really staged a rally. But to your point, I and mean, we'll see what the receivers are like. But Brady, obviously, timing is crucial for him. That's emblematic in Tyler Johnson's experience. He was like a fine receiver. He was just never on the same page as Brady. And if we're talking about down a couple of receivers, facing a good secondary, probably going to have some pressure in his face. It's not a team I want to be backing, uh, coming back from the deficit. All right, Panthers at Giants. Panthers plus two and a half. This went down to two. I don't think I've seen a three yet. I've already taken the two and a half. I think the Panthers win this trade up. I think it should be Pickham at best. The Giants should be favored, and certainly by almost a field goal versus anyone at this point in time. We liked the Giants last week. We had the Giants five and a half, had some Giants money line. You even took some like alt lines on the Giants as a potential kind of tail play. They made a few different calls here that you could see from the head coaching perspective that it's gonna offer some upside. The Giants. Barkley obviously looked awesome. This is one of the first times that we're really getting to see him at full health. And it looks like they're certainly going to be leveraging him a lot over the course of the season. And same bonehead plays from Danny Dimes. He can make a few throws here and there. The Giants defense looks very vulnerable. And Baker Mayfield and this Panthers team really came alive in that second half, fourth quarter, a theme that we saw throughout last week, which was this like dichotomy between first half and second half performances. And if you wanted to lean into teams as a week two theme of leaning into teams that played better in the second half, Panthers would certainly be one of those teams. I really like the Panthers early on in the week. There's one angle that's really keeping me from betting the Panthers, which is that their run defense is atrocious. Yes. Last year, they faced a horrible set of running backs, and we saw the Browns run all over them. They had 220 yards rushing. And I think the Giants and their coaching staff is smart enough to adapt and tailor their game plan towards basically getting the ball to Barkley uh, in space. And I think Barkley can just totally run over the Panthers, shorten the game, and the Giants can win that way. In that instance, there's an interesting play of betting the Giants to win the first half and bet the under. Essentially saying the Giants are going to shorten the clock, ride Barkley, it'll be a low-scoring half and the Giants come in and win. But everything else, aside from that one angle, is definitely pointing it towards the Panthers. The Giants aren't going to be able to cover DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Baker Mayfield's a far better quarterback. Panthers have a massive defensive edge with the exception of the run defense. I think Baker dropped the snap like two or three times last week. So just 
also emblematic of just working with new players, you're in a new team, still learning a new playbook, and then also a lot of, I think, jitters that we talked about, like how he's a, obviously a very emotional dude, and I think that was going to be hypersensitive last week in that revenge game versus the Browns, and now it's in the past, it's in the rearview mirror, you can move on, and I think we get a much better performance from him, more reflective of that latter stage, fourth quarter type performance from Baker Mayfield. But yeah, you make some great points. Is Saquon Barkley going to be a guy you think you're going to have in your kind of core DFS line? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and that would definitely be my biggest worry as well, because that's the only thing that kept the Browns in that game, which was just Chubb and Hunt just running all over. So Patriots at the Steelers, Patriots minus two and a half on the road. Obviously, no TJ Watt for the Steelers. One of the things we talked about in the offseason pod, I see some other people talking about it on Twitter now as well, just how different that defense has performed historically with TJ Watt off the field. You're already low on the Steelers' defense, even with TJ Watt. And they had some of those explosive defensive plays last year. A lot of that turnover luck that they had last year all came and showed itself again in week one. But the market seems to be recognizing that because the market's down on the Patriots as well. That's for sure. Everyone hates the Patriots. And they're minus two and a half road favorites in this. How are you thinking about this one? This is one of those you just wanna, it's just, it's ugly, just lay off. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that I don't hold that view at all. I like the Patriots here. You like the Patriots here? I like the Patriots here. I think the sell-off has gone too far. And I think that Steelers without TJ Watt and with Mitch Trubisky, at least early on in the season, bottom three team in the league for sure. I just don't, I don't see how they're going to get any offense going. The Patriots defense played very well last week, whether that was a reflection of the Dolphins, I'm not exactly sure, but it certainly wasn't so bad to the point where the Dolphins could just run over them and just pass at will, which is saying something. It means they're not going to be a disaster on defense. How is Mitch Trubisky going to get anything going? The Steelers have nothing going for them. Nothing. And I think there's a real sell-off on the Patriots, which obviously I've been beating that drum for a while that I'm not high in the Patriots, but I think we need to put into perspective again. As you said last week on the stream, Mac Jones is not a bottom-tier quarterback. He's still average, maybe below average. The Patriots still have like decent weapons. Going up against a bad defense, everyone's selling them off. I think that this is a spot the Patriots bounce back. I can see that. I can see that. Because again, I watched that Patriots-Dolphins game and again, we already talked about how the Dolphins basically scored no points on them. In fact, now I even think about it too, is even in that one touchdown they did get, it was like a fourth and six, thread the needle to Waddle and broke off a long run for a touchdown. I feel like the narrative around, again, Mac Jones was already very low. I feel like it's gotten even lower now. And I watched the game, I didn't think he played even played that bad. He threw a one beautiful like 50 yard bomb that was like perfect. Even the one pick he threw in the end zone when they were driving down, it was like a fantastic pick. And it looked like Devontae Parker tried a little bit harder. It probably would have just been incomplete. Or if you had vintage Devontae Parker, he probably would have caught the ball for a touchdown. Yeah. I saw that a couple times actually in that game where he was kind of expecting Devontae Parker to bail him out. And I don't know if Devontae's got the same hops or whatnot, but I think, again, Mac Jones didn't, have a, didn't play well, but he yeah. didn't play atrocious by any means. Aguilar had a fumble, like that like, got stuffed on a fourth down. There was multiple things that went wrong for the Patriots in that game. I like the Patriots here. Okay. Falcons at Rams, Falcons plus 10. Rams getting the 10 days, coming off a of slacking from the Bills. Falcons surprised 
most of the market, certainly not us. I think we are certainly higher on the Falcons than the market. We talked about how the Falcons could potentially have an explosive offense, which they certainly showed. And in fact, there was actually multiple plays when I rewatched that game that so many things had to break right for the Saints in that fourth quarter for the Falcons just not to pull away in that game. In fact, there was a huge third down that they just get third and one. They just get the first down, the game's over. Saints never get the ball back. Yeah. So I thought the Falcons played great. I wouldn't even say that the Falcons collapsed in the end. I would just say maybe the defense played way too soft to allow the Saints to come back. But it wasn't like that the Falcons' offense got exposed in the second half or they couldn't move the ball in the second half. They still could. Yeah. I love the way Mariota moved around the pocket. He threw some awesome passes. You called out Drake London was probably going to have a good game. He looked great. He had two drops, but again, he's a rookie, but otherwise played certainly above expectation, I think. There's a lot of points. Yeah, I like the points. I like the under also. There's some weird stuff going on at SoFi at like all the Rams home games are going under and their away games are not, which could be noisy. It could be signal though. It's tough because the prices really moved. The look ahead lines was, the look ahead line was 14 and this is 10 now. I like the Falcons. I definitely do. I just have no, I have no sense of what the Rams are going to look like. The week one to me could have been a reflection of this Bills defense is legitimately great. And like the Rams weren't getting anything going because the Bills defense was good or like they've taken a step back or it's some combination of the two things. But without kind of more data to paint the full picture, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about the Rams. Honestly, a spot to me if I'm playing the Falcons is I like the like Mariota, Kyle Pitts, DFS stack. Uh, only because those guys are so underpriced and Mariota's got serious rushing upside. But like Stafford is the type of quarterback who is so reliant on chemistry. Kenny Galladay was terrific in Detroit because Matthew Stafford would make certain throws, downfield jump ball throws that no other quarterback makes. But Stafford has a certain comfort level with Galladay. Like Galladay goes to the Giants and it's a disaster. And you see it with, with Stafford and not throwing to Robinson, not throwing the same kind of backside digs that he was with other players. I'm certainly not betting the Rams here. Absolutely not. In fact, I've seen some quote-unquote pro bettors out there issuing some of their handicaps and thoughts and actually going with the Rams, thinking that they're buying them low right here. Buying them low from a broader kind of market sell-off in the sense of, oh, I'm buying them off getting crushed by the bills. And I'm also buying them low in the sense of, as you talked about, opened minus 14 is now sold off down to 10 and now buying that dip. Whereas I think the Rams crushed the Falcons. It's 31 to 10. Yeah. Or this game's going to be close. Yeah. I don't know if there's going to be a difference between 14 and 10 to actually suggest that you should now try to buy the Rams just off that four point move. The Rams, we talked about how the Rams offensive line was going to be materially weaker this year that certainly showed up for some vicious pass rush from the Bills but the Falcons sacked James Winston like four or five times and again Grady Jarrett is a pro bowler and I would say that the Saints certainly have a better offensive line than the Rams if the Falcons get pressure on Stafford as well that could also be big in this game I like that a lot I think this line probably should be closer to seven which means I think it's certainly a good circuit pick for all the reasons we've outlined it. But I also don't hate sprinkling at least a little bit on the Rams alt spread, basically playing at the angle of they're going to absolutely demolish. Yeah, we know that the Falcons offensive line is great. 
either. But they have a mobile quarterback, at least. And also, I think, again, they like to get creative with Mariota to Patterson. And now they got the big dudes at wide receiver with both London and Pitts. Arthur Smith is a great play designer. I've said it time and time again. He's a terrific play designer. You can bet on that. Outside here is the Falcons' defense implodes. And the Falcons' offense just can't even keep up with a vintage Rams offense coming to fruition. Play the alt angle and then also play and create a massive middle. Just where you're saying it's not going to be a 34-21 game. Yeah, yeah like Rams alt line 17 and a half. Exactly. Is a good play. Because yeah, I think the Rams win this game by three touchdowns. Or this game's very competitive. Seahawks at the Niners. Seahawks plus nine. This was 10. I feel like every single time it gets to 10, then it gets bid back down. It went down to eight and a half. I think maybe eight. So currently nine, it's eight and a half in Circa. Geno Smith played like the best game I ever saw him play. There's just so many questions around the Niners. The thing is, this is one of those games where I'm trying to learn from you in that, like sometimes you like don't even want to entertain a handicap around a game because there's just way too much noise here. It could be this, could be that, could be that. Like there's so many different scenarios here. Like you're just picking out of a hat, it's a total lottery. I feel like that's how this one is, yeah. even with the line so big. Maybe Geno Smith turned a corner. Maybe the coaching staff has found a gem. And the Seahawks offense is going to play like much better than expectation. Trey Lance sucks. They can't move the ball. The Seahawks defense outperforms. The loss of Jamal Adams is actually maybe a positive. Or maybe none of that is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the Seahawks actually are one of the worst teams in the NFL like kind of the markets had priced them, like we thought that they were likely also going to be. And this upside of the Niners coaching staff, the Niners team is so much better. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback and they continue to work out some of these kinks. For all of the reasons you just outlined, that's why I don't think you can touch that as a fantastic sweatshirt, by the way. I don't think you can touch the pregame line, but I think like right for live play here, right? Because there are a lot of long-term angles at play. What is Trey Lance going to be? Is Did Geno Smith turn the corner? All of those things, there's a little bit of uncertainty before the game of will this start to manifest this week? It's an eight-point spread. It's huge. And I think from two to 53, the Niners have a much better roster. And if you want to include the coach, that is certainly at play here. But I'm not, I don't think, I don't see how you, there's so much uncertainty to bet before the game. But if you start to see Trey Lance is not playing well, he's holding the ball on, he's holding the ball for too long, as he did last week, as he has his entire career, he just doesn't have it yet. That's not the same thing as saying he won't have it. Yeah. But I think we can bet right now. That if like, Trey Lance doesn't have it, let's bet the under. Gina Smith has it. Trey Lance doesn't have it, let's bet the Seahawks. Yeah, I think that's a good call. This is definitely a game that you potentially want to live bet. It's just like all the noise around the Niners and the Bears game last week as well. So it's like, what do you really take from it? Like you can obviously tell that they didn't play well and they probably should have played better being a touchdown favorite and ended up losing by 10 and didn't do anything in the second half. But we've seen Geno Smith play for four or five years. And in every yeah. single instance, like he never play well, certainly not as well as he just did. I think I saw a stat that he's eight and zero or nine and zero ATS 
yeah, playing this out over a 17-game season, Geno Smith's not someone I'm looking to buy into. But there could be a two-game stretch in the same way that Sam Darnold had a great four-game stretch in his second year with the Jets. You can hold both things in your head at the same time. That Geno Smith is a bad quarterback and has a bad projected output, and also he could be good this week. Even though the whole way we're talking about it, this game isn't plus three. Yes, that's plus eight. Yeah. There's a huge, there's a huge built-in prior of the Niners are still the team that went to the NFC Championship game. If you're betting the Niners, you're saying, we know who these teams are. And yep. therefore, I think this is what we don't know yeah. who these teams are. So, if anything, it's Seahawks. You cannot bet the Niners. This moves out to 14 and a half mm. live. That's, That's where you want this. That's beautiful. All right, Bengals at Cowboys. Cowboys looked atrocious last week versus the Bucks. They're at home, plus seven and a half. They were plus eight and a half, so it's come down a point. They looked bad with Dak. Now they got Cooper Rush starting at quarterback. Obviously, the Bengals lost at home versus Steelers as touchdown favorites. Joe Burrow throwing four picks, missed the extra point. <laughs> a lot of things had to go wrong for the Bengals to ultimately end up losing that game. Do they crush Dallas on the road? Yes, I think so. Looks like this could do move down to seven. It's minus seven and a half, minus 103 right now. Seven seems a lot more palatable from a betting perspective. In the contest, it is seven. Yeah. expecting it to go down to seven. I'm not betting the seven. I would bet the alt line if I'm betting anything. I like that. We know the game script for how the Bengals dominate them. Like, this isn't also, again, Delta between Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton, not the same thing as Delta between Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush is bad. He's bad. Andy Dalton's a serviceable backup. It's a very difficult scenario for me to see how the Cowboys are going to consistently put up points. The Cowboys looked bad in past years when Dak was off the field, and that was with Gallup and Cooper and a much better offensive yeah, yeah. I'm looking in our database. I think this is one of the lowest adjusted point totals we, we have. I have 4.3 drive quality, like bottom one percentile here. And that's with Zach Prescott playing half the game. It's Even we said, on the, we said on the stream before last week, I was talking about how we might think we know what the Bucks and Cowboys are like, but we don't because like the Cowboys actually, we've never really seen Dak without a good offensive line, right? Like, it's not just that Dak went down. The entire team had lost. They got worse yeah. basically everywhere and were hugely reliant last year on turnovers. 30 more expected points added on turnovers than the second closest team. And I don't think even the Cowboys in week two, I don't think are a better opponent than the Steelers in week one. And it's basically the same line. I'm surprised this line is trending towards seven. There's a contingency out there fading. I can't say buying the Cowboys. Can't see anyone buying the Cowboys, but yeah. fading the Bengals. It's yeah. The, the Dallas offense at this point in time has to be worse than even the Pittsburgh offense. That's what I was saying last week. That's what I was saying. That this is the same line, and like the offense has got much worse. The fact that Burrow threw, what he was sacked five times through four picks, and they were an extra point away from winning the game. Still, so. okay. Texans on the road plus ten versus Denver. Texans surprise to the upside. Bronco surprise, the downside. But this week's price not reflecting, is fading both those performances. Texans were up versus Colts 20-3. You love the Texans. Love the Texans. Love the Texans. Classic. Yeah. That came to fruition. Cash lot tickets was very nice. Unfortunately, didn't get the money line. And then Broncos certainly played better than the score. And I think our adjusted score had Broncos winning that game. Yeah. Fumbled two times into the end zone. This is a lot of points. I couldn't bet the Broncos here, but I feel like you're getting a little bit greedy 
if you want to try to bet the Texans. Yeah, I don't see either side here. I think it's just press probably right. Yeah. Cardinals at the Raiders. This is one we've already started to lean a little bit into. It was three, three and a half, and then shot up to six, and then we bought that six. It's certainly my biggest pregame position. It's currently Cardinals plus five, and in the contest, it's Cardinals plus five and a half. So they're on the road, but they were just minus six versus the Chiefs, who are obviously in a totally different class than the Raiders. I think we've been very loud about selling the Raiders over the course of the offseason. They're 0-1, they're on the right stage, but they did play competitively near the end there versus the Chargers. We're certainly in a position to potentially even win that. Yeah. Certainly a cover. Yeah. This, yeah. I think that reflected more on the Chargers than it did the Raiders. Yes. Which is the Chargers just completely took the foot off the gas. But I think I wrote about this also for PFF this week that these are, I think, are essentially the same teams. They're like eerily similar on defense with two good edge players each, a couple good secondary players, awful linebackers. The defenses look almost exactly the same, which leads me to say, okay, I think Kyler Murray is the better quarterback. Also, Kyler Murray is the type of quarterback who likes to play kind of backyard ball, uh, launching the ball deep. He's a terrific deep passer. He's extending plays. And I think another week with these receivers building a little more chemistry will really do wonders for him. And by the way, I think they had a perfectly league average offensive game last week by our adjusted scores, by our drive quality, top 10, a drive EPA also. Like the offense was fine. We knew they'd get steamrolled on defense. They had no talent, and Patrick Mahomes was yeah. perfect quarterback to take advantage of that. Like we said this on the stream on Sunday, it means nothing. That game means nothing. It was perfectly built into expectation. I think this game is going to be a shootout. Do you like the over fifty-one? This is the yeah. This is the highest total on the board by far. Yeah, I think the way this game doesn't go over is each offense shooting themselves in the foot. If each offense is playing toward at their capability, I think this is like a shootout, and the team that has the ball last is going to win. But the market's pricing this as, like, Raiders' big favorites. I think this would probably be a pickup. Bears at Green Bay. Bears plus 10. There was 8. And then got bid up. So everyone fading the Bears after that Niners win. Certainly the Bears didn't show any promise, even despite beating the Niners. Maybe the defense played a little bit better than expectation, but the offense certainly didn't show anything. Had a few broken plays, a few explosive plays. And I think that's something that you'll always have to be able to price. And also with Justin Fields, he's always going to be able to create something with his legs, find an open receiver potentially downfield. That's how Bears are going to cover games and potentially win games. Currently 10 minus 105, potentially trending back under the 10. This is also one of the lowest totals on the board at 41 and a half. This is one of those games, especially because I'm a Bears fan, that like I can't bet Bears, shouldn't bet Bears. I probably have no actionable perspective on this game. So it's all you. What's the guidance? I would have liked for there to have been more overreaction. There's still a little bit of question marks about the Packers. How does this offense gel? They certainly didn't play great last week, even if we do account for the Christian Lawson drop touchdown. I don't think the Bears showed us anything. I don't think you can bet either side. The market's pricing this right. I think the way the Bears covered this game is, again, Justin Fields makes a play with his legs, finds a receiver downfield type thing and that 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 bear that the bears defense also is maybe better than the market is currently pricing it at and the packers offense still has not had a sufficient amount of time to work out the kinks for rogers to develop the proper relationships with his wide receivers 
I also heard that this could potentially be another bad weather game, not as bad as Bears Niners, but still impacting overall play. I think that's one of the things driving the price, the totals price this low at this point in time. So two Monday night, two Monday night games to close Titans at Bills, Titans plus 10. Man, we got a lot of really big lines. Yeah. We already had our survivor bloodbath in week one, so I wonder if we'll get it again. I don't I don't see the same thing as week one. I actually think all the favorites win this week. All the big favorites do. I think probably ten is value just because the Bills have such an ability on both ends to either run up the score by putting up forty or their defense is so good that they can uh, eliminate the to limit the Titans to 14 or whatever it is and this could really be a blowout but I think like in terms of your power ranking teams and using an adjusted point spread the 10 seems exactly right yeah. betting against the Titans at plus 10 just doesn't seem wise again all the writing on the wall seems like the Bills could potentially blow out Tennessee this Tennessee offense if they get down deficit, that's going to take Henry out of the game. Uh, and then you're going to rely on Tannehill and a bunch of no-names at wide receiver, essentially, to try to go tit-for-tat with the Bills, probably the most explosive offense in the league. It's a question of then, I guess, if we're playing at this price, the question of whether or not the Titans can keep up with the Bills. So if we're not looking at a power ranking perspective, then 10 does seem appealing there. Because I don't think the... Titans will be able to score 21 if the Bills are going to score 31, especially in the absolute worst game flow for them of just like relying on Tannehill and the receivers to win. That's definitely off market because the 10s are going to scare people Absolutely. away, especially like, when it's not versus a demonstrably bad team. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's really pricing the Titans as a demonstrably bad team. In fact, I would say the market is still quite high on Tennessee and it's another thing we've been very vocal about in the offseason is fading the Titans this year. Certainly have a lot of exposure on them on the alt under. PFF has them ranked 10th right now. Football Outsiders 14th. Aggregate right there in the middle at 16. And I would say that they're certainly a worse team than middle of the road. I think that's right. All right, Vikings plus two on the road at Philly. Vikings put in obviously that great performance versus the Packers and the Eagles were in control for most of the game versus the Lions in Detroit. They let the Lions come storming back, only one by three. Couldn't put them sufficiently away. If the Vikings really are a top five offense this year, I think the Vikings plus two is a screaming buy. If that was an outlier performance and they're going to run through a bunch of different kinks and we're going to see prime time Kirk Cousins, then you got to stay away. I already bet Eagles minus one early in the week. And this is one of the reasons why I don't like betting really early in the week because I already have post-mortem regret because I just don't have the same conviction. And you recognize the fee is meaningless once you actually start to live bet. So oh. betting early doesn't mean anything. No. I yeah. think if the Eagles get like two first downs, this thing's going to move I said, like I said, Yeah, I said, the inside <laughs> thing, I said the inside thing out loud, but... Uh, to your point about the Vikings, I think I'm almost willing, maybe I'm like crazy overreacting, but there's one thing that I just can't escape, which is Justin Jefferson getting on linebackers consistently. Right, The Vikings didn't win by anything other than Justin Jefferson absolutely dominating. That was the offense. First off, that's sustainable. He's amazing. And also, you don't accidentally get Jefferson on linebackers. That doesn't accidentally happen. 
which leads me to believe that like Kevin O'Connell's doing something right and like his scheme is working. It's emblematic of the fact that Kevin O'Connell is going to create mismatches in the same way that Sean McVay creates mismatches. You gotta be on the Vikings here, right? Like any sign of, okay, we need to wait here, we need to wait here. I don't think that's true. It's like, we have all the evidence we need. Tough though, because the Eagles are, oof. I mean, like their offense could be electric. I have doubts about Jalen Hurts. And even if you watch the game, he's like missing some bad throws. But if AJ Brown is catching the ball in space as he does and picking up 15 yards after the catch, his offense could be really good. In our aggregate market powering, this is the sixth and seventh best team right now. The Eagles are not this good. No. This is pricing in that Jalen Hurts is certainly going to be a better and better quarterback over the course of the season. I don't think we saw anything in week one that opens that door. No. Yeah, I think there's still just as many question marks. If you're an elite defense, you don't accidentally give up 31 points to the Lions. And earn points, too. Their drive quality was fourth with 32 points. I think there is something meaningfully that's changed with Vikings, which is the offensive scheme, and I think we can bank on that continuing. I don't think we can say the same about the Eagles. I like the Vikings. Yeah, we can definitely say that Kevin O'Connell has made a meaningful change if we get a good game out of Kirk Cousins on primetime. Because primetime Kirk is miserable, especially ATS. I don't care how uncomfortable I am. It's the right play, it's the right play. You don't want to be betting on the week one result. That seems a little uncomfy. But if it's the right call and like I'm working off the right assumptions that this is about Kevin O'Connell and like this is meaningful signal that's going to play out, it gives me a little bit of comfort that the process is right, even though it definitely doesn't feel good on the inside. So I think we got Jags, especially yeah. at the four. Yeah. Commanders. Jags, Commanders. You like Patriots minus two. I think I can get on board with that. Yeah, I like the Cardinals also. Five and, and a half. Cardinals, yeah. I, I don't... The thing is just, this is the, in that Cardinals game, I don't think those, those points are probably like not going to I was going to say, I was going to say, I like the Cardinals there, but I don't think it's a spread bet. We can't bet the money line. No, we can't. <laughs> All right, so if we do Patriots... Jack Commanders. I think that's three locked and loaded. Yeah, I like the Bills, and I think I like the Vikings too. I could do Bills. I was gonna be scared off by that ten. Yeah, no one. Bills. Be. One reason why I wouldn't love to take the Bengals is just because again they're on the road. It's a touchdown, and if everyone's gonna be on the Bengals too, then you barely get any yeah. alpha from it. Yeah, I like the Vikings. Everyone, people are definitely gonna be scared off. The Eagles. The Eagles love this. What's out of control? Really? You think so? Yeah, you can see on Twitter the types of people who bet Circa and what their thought process is. Yeah. Jets six and a half makes sense. That price is crazy to me. No one's going to take Jets. No one's going to take Jets. What about Saints Bucks? Nothing there? I think I like the Bengals. Yeah, probably the Bengals just because. The Vikings Eagles, you're, you're, they're, they're two relatively good teams. There's upside in the Vikings. Maybe you want to be early to that trade before the market truly meaningfully upgrades the Vikings and realizes how good that offense is. Or maybe that's not the case. Because <laughs> there is at least upside potentially with the Eagles as well. Maybe Jalen Hurst does get better over time. And AJ Brown, you talked about, I mean, it's obviously a massive weapon for them as well. Still going to be at home. And maybe the defense does play a little bit better. They relaxed versus the Lions. I mean, they were beating by like 17 points at multiple times. Yeah. Whereas the Cowboys look really bad. Yeah. They look bad with them. Could be worse now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very hot to fade the Bengals right now. It's like very fashionable. Yeah. So we got Bengals, Bill, Jags, Commander, Patriots. All right. Good stuff. All right. That will close our NFL Week 2 Market Outlook podcast and stream. We'll see you next time. And that's closing that.